Amidst a world of conflict, there can be unity, as we'll see next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Unity. It is what sets us apart in a world of conflict. As believers in Christ, we're called to unity and given His Spirit, God's Spirit, that we might accomplish that unity. Hi and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're continuing with our series, God's Design for Life Today, looking at people of unity in a world of conflict. By the way, it's coming up rather quick, so you might want to save the date on your calendar and then plan on joining us as we celebrate Truth For Today. It's a listener celebration. Free food, fellowship, good message from Pastor Ron Walters, and of course you as our celebrated guest. Saturday, June 4th, 4.30 to 7.30 at Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. More details at the close of our program, but for now, let's catch up with Pastor Phil Howard for today's broadcast. I want us to maintain the peace that is often fragile and can't you see this in a church made up of Jew-Gentiles? I mean, totally, here's from the Gentile world, totally uh, rowdy, uh, no rules, no morals. Uh, they did everything, uh, no dietary uh, guidance. And then you come over here and you take these Jews that the apostles were. They came from strict uh, kosher diets, the Levitical guidelines. They're not eating bacon. And guess what? Peter, kind of like that in Galatians 2. He's down visiting with the Gentiles and they serve him bacon and eggs. And he said, make it double. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. And then some of the brethren, some Jewish brethren, came down from Jerusalem to visit the church. And old Peter went kosher all of a sudden. And so he's over here, and one of the Gentile brothers, Luigi, says, come on over. It's linguista this morning. <laughs> no, 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 I, I can't be defiled with that stuff. Matter of fact, I'm taking roll age for the bacon. He went kosher immediately, just over diet now. And, and these Gentile believers were confused. This is their apostle. This is from a headquarters church. You mean we're not eating the right diet? Uh, 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 Paul shows up. Now I'm going to tell you, Peter, you're wrong. You're wrong to do that. I'm the Gentile to these apostles or to these Gentiles. You shouldn't have done that. You've acted with duplicity. And now they're all confused. Maybe they're defiled or they're not as good. They're not on equal setting. Well, you know how we grew up in Judaism. I know. You heard God made a new humanity. You know about that sheet God told you to look on and eat anything on it you wanted. Crab legs, rattlesnake, turtle. Oh, yeah. He told you to go to the house of Cornelius and get an old dirty Gentile into the faith. Now, grow over your kosher diet. Your acceptance before God isn't based on what you eat or don't eat. And he had to be rebuked. And God wanted the message so clearly that he said, Paul, I want you to permanentize it in Galatians 2 
so the rest of church history can read where Peter got rebuked. When you start bringing people into one congregation, and we come from many races, genders, uh, only two. Uh, uh, I want to qualify the many, you know. I'm thinking with you. You people don't give me enough credit. I know where I'm going. Uh, that, uh, boy, that is a nice line, though, isn't it? Many genders. Uh, so we got all this diversity. We got all these backgrounds. Uh, blue collar, white collar, uh, this, that. How in the world could we ever be messed together? And the most of this country still meets in segregated worship. As Martin Luther King said, the most segregated hour in America is the worship hour. Because we don't have a Christianity big enough to get beyond bigotry, prejudice, and racism. And it is anathema to the oneness Christ created. There's only one people in this room, the people of God. The only people. God didn't have an Anglo church. He didn't have a black church. He's got one church. He didn't have a Jewish church. He didn't have a Gentile church. He's got one church composed of all races, all nations, all colors, one race. One church. Well, I'm, I'm kind of feeling better. Uh, so, are you on the maintenance crew? Now, He's talking about the subjective attitudes, and now he moves uh, into seven essentials that this unity rides on. Because you can get all gooey, as it were, about, oh, I got humility, I got love for my brother. What do you believe? We don't believe anything. That's why we feel so one. We never discuss doctrine. That's why we get along. Wait, 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 wait. This is not a unity based on mindlessness. This is not a unity based on we don't believe anything. And it gives them seven things that are essential to biblical Christianity and that all believers have in common. And let's just take a quick look at them. There is one body. What's that? The body of Christ. Ephesians 1.23. One church, and it's not in Rome. It's not back in Madison, Illinois, or Wisconsin. It's not... No, the one church's headquarters is in the third heaven where Christ the head rules over it. One church. Universal church that meets in many different localities under different labels. You'll have Baptist, Presbyterian, this and that. And the labels don't matter as long as they hold these truths in common. Matter of fact, you can have the right label and still be an empty can. So... You got to have some content. There's one body, the body of Christ. Now, isn't that great? So, whenever I meet uh, believers throughout the world, I say, hey, we're all in the same body. We're over uh, taken care of by one Christ. Isn't this great? I love the diversity. I love all these weird people God's put in the body. How in the world? Have you ever met people in the body you would have never put in? It's that one guy's line that there are times there's people on our side we wish were on the other side. When you know God sovereignly got them in, you come to love God's choices. Maybe the weakest, the not noble, as Corinthians says. Well, he goes on, there's one spirit. Oh, I love that. Every one of God's children got the same Holy Spirit. 
1 Corinthians 12 says you cannot call him Lord except by the Holy Spirit. John 7, 37 through 39, uh, he stood up on that great day of the feast and he said, I will give you rivers of living water that will gush up out of your innermost being. This said he of the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given, but would be given to those who believe. So the Holy Spirit had to be given on the day of Pentecost. And since the day of Pentecost, every born again child of God has been indwelt, regenerated by the same spirit. Did you know what? The same spirit that indwelt the apostle Paul indwells you. The same spirit that indwelt the apostles, the same spirit that's working in the book of Acts, the same spirit that's worked 1900 years, we've got that same spirit. There are no stepchild privileges in this family. We are all created like heirs and treated as one people of the, we are spirit people. Every child of God has a spirit. Now, in some places, they're a little bit more excited about it than others. We express different degrees of emotion or some say you've got to do all this to have the spirit and uh, you've got to get away from that. If you're born again, you've got the Holy Spirit and it's not contingent on you having 10 other spiritual gifts. Every believer has got the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9. You know that. Ephesians 1, 13, 14. You got that. 2 Corinthians 2. You've got that. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. There's at least 50 passages that say every child of God didn't dwell by the Spirit. So you know what you to do when you go out there and say, I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got all of him. The issue is, does he have all of you? You've got all of him. He may not have all of you, but he's there. Well, there's one hope. And what is the hope? Well, in the gospel, Paul said there is a hope in the gospel. And I think it's twofold. The gospel holds the hope of forgiveness. You know, I'm hearing it as an unsaved man. If you believe this gospel, you will receive the gift of eternal life. Uh, you will receive the things promised in the gospel. But there is also a, what we call eschatological aspect, future aspect to this hope. And that is all the good things God has planned for his church in the future, I enter into the moment I believe the gospel of hope. And so the resurrection of the dead, I get that. Uh, I believe the rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians, I think I'll be there. Heaven, I get that. Uh, anything in the future that's good and for the benefit of God's people, I get it the moment I believe the gospel. So I'm saved unto hope and I've got a lot of my salvation yet to be realized. It's out there, but I've got the promise and I will get the fulfillment because he's made a down payment. You remember in Ephesians, he gave us the spirit as his down payment of things to come. So we've got hope. Are you a person living with hope? On your worst day that you know this earthly journey will end, you will die, and to die is to be with Christ, which is gain. To die will be to be resurrected into his likeness. To someday hear him say, you will reign with me. He told the uh, uh, apostles in uh, Matthew 19, you will help me reign over the tribes of Israel. Then he told the church in Revelation 2, you'll reign with me over the nations. 
1 Corinthians 6, he said, I will make you help me judge angels. You will sit with me when I judge the angels and the nations. We are going to reign with Christ. That's a part of my future. I'm a part of the king's cabinet. I'm not only on the cabinet. I happen to be the bride of the king. I will sit on his throne while he reigns the universe and rules the nations. Oh, that's hope. That's hope. That's coming. Some of you are so buried about whether you're going to be able to make this much uh, mortgage payment, you're blinded to what you really got out there in the future. Some of you say, well, I'm going to die, or it gets all negative. If you really understand, I, I just think of uh, Wes Hunter, this pastor friend of Pastor Rich's, pastors up in the Reno area, and his house caught fire, and I believe that was Friday while he was gone, and burnt to the ground. If all of his hope and all of his true treasures were just in that house, think of all the pictures he lost and all of a lifetime, raised his family. You know what? I don't know about your house. Every extra spare space, we got a stack of pictures. Do any of you, any of you folks picture poor? If you know how to organize it, come over to our house. I'll get Carolyn away. She won't let me do it. I mean, we got pictures of everything. Huh, first tooth, last tooth. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it just, how stupid. I, well, we, this Olin Mills, they tried to sell us pictures. I mean, I nearly choked the woman. <laughs> I, I'm broke on, I don't need any more. Just make the church catalog, I'll, I'll cut out that and mail it to my kids. <laughs> you know, I'll use that on our next postcard. I don't need any more pictures. But think, that's what you really hate. If I, the house caught on fire, ooh, we lost that picture of grandma. And ours is underneath the house, kind of like in the basement, down there with the rat's feet at night. But we got her picture. Bless her heart. It moves you, doesn't it? We haven't opened those boxes. Oh, oh, oh man, Carolyn, I need counseling over this, I'm telling you. So I'm saying, use it. Bury it or put it up where we can see it. And all my favorite pictures are of me, and she won't do it. Uh, there's one hope. We're looking for the blessed hope, the second coming of our Savior. He's coming again. I don't care what your prophetic chart looks like. I don't care if you're pre-mill, all-mill, post-mill, or pan-mill. I don't care if you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. He's coming again. I'm so pre, I don't even eat post-toasties. But you know, that's okay. You got to be right or wrong about something. Um, number five, there is one faith. One faith. Now, there's a debate on this. What is this one faith? Two views. Some make it the subjective faith, that we've all got the subjective faith. That's what we all hold in common. So you each have experienced putting faith in Christ. And that, that has validity. But in the context, he's talking about the objective things, it seems, that binds us all together. And it doesn't seem like he would move to the, the subjective experiential aspect. It seems to me to point to two objective truths. Number one, we have all objectively believed the gospel message 
That's the basis of our faith. There is only one gospel that saves. Paul outlined that gospel as simply as he could in 1 Corinthians 15. For you know that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, and he was seen of above 500 witnesses at one time, then he was seen of Cephas, then he was seen of the twelve, and then last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due season, as an aborted fetus is the Greek word. Me, the least of the apostles, but I am what I am by the grace of God. We believe this gospel, this good news, that Christ did something about our sins, came back alive, and by putting faith in him, he forgives me of my sins, gives me the gift of eternal life, I become God's child. Galatians 1 says, if I or an angel from heaven come and preach any other gospel to you than what I've already delivered to you, let him be under a divine curse, anathema. There are not five ways to be saved. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And I know about postmodernism. And I know about many ways of salvation. And I know about all the spirituality from New Age to Eastern religions. Everybody's spiritual. Spiritual what? I'm talking about the Holy Spirit spiritual. There is only one way. Does that make us have an exclusive gospel? You better believe it. For broad is the way that leads to death, destruction, and eternal damnation. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And few there be that find it. Many are called, few are chosen, and those chosen to salvation come to believe a message. And that message is God's Son, God's Messiah became our sin bearer. And when I believe that gospel, that he died in my place to pay the penalty of God against my sins, when I believe that, and I believe he's a risen, live Savior, God in a moment judicially declares me to be righteous before him, and that is the one faith that all believers have practiced, that gospel. Now that is expanded in Jude 3. Jude, though, at, as he comes to the end of the New Testament, and I think this first view, it, we must go there first, the message that made me a believer, the message what is the message that makes you a Christian? Believing the gospel. But then as Jude, at the end of the New Testament says, I wanted to write to you of our common salvation, but I was hindered. So I've written to you of the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. At the end of the Bible, he begins to include the whole canon of scripture. So I would lean that this one faith is the gospel that puts me in the family and eventually becomes the container, the container of all that true believers truly believe. This is the object of our faith as far as our beliefs. Christ is the object of our salvation. But then when I have to find out what do believers really believe unless we agree on the gospel and on this revelation, we're going cultic, we're going another gospel, we have no way of measuring what's truth and error. This is the objective source, and it contains a message that puts you into God's family. One faith, not a doctrinal statement of a church. The gospel you believe, the Bible, with the facts. 
There is one baptism. Oh, this is a fun one, isn't it? What's the one baptism? Is it uh, ritual baptism? Well, we haven't agreed with anyone on baptism. The church hasn't agreed. That hasn't been a basis of unity. The Baptists immerse, uh, Methodists, Presbyterians, and they vary. Some sprinkle, some baptize infants, some don't. Uh, wow, in our membership class, we really have to spend a little time on baptism. What's the New Testament order? Uh, I was baptized as a child. Does that make me a Christian? We have to teach it's believer's baptism only after you put faith in Christ. So I think this baptism is a baptism Paul talked in his epistles. It's the baptism that puts you into the body of Christ, spirit baptism. That we, everyone that have put faith in Christ, know this one baptism, the baptizing work of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and we have all been baptized into one body. Whether Jew or Gentile, we were immersed into Christ. Listen to Romans 6, 3. For every one of you were immersed into his death his burial and his resurrection. Therefore, reckon yourself to be dead to sin because you've been immersed into Christ. Galatians 3, you've all been immersed into Christ where there's neither Scythian nor Jew, where there's neither male nor female, where there's neither poor nor rich. And he gives different categories. Immersed into Christ. That created the body, the union of every believer with him. Now, ritual baptism, immersion or baptism as we practice in the church, that's really a declaration statement that I've been united to Christ, that I'm a follower of Christ. But I think the first baptism that we must emphasize, when you put your faith in Christ, without you knowing it, the Holy Spirit took and he immersed you into Jesus Christ so that now every time you read the word in Christ, in Jesus, in the beloved, how did I get in? I was immersed by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And then the one that no one has a big argument about, there's one God and Father, and he's over all. He's a cosmic God. He's over everything. He's over all creation. He's in charge. So he's a great big God. And so look at these seven essentials. So when I talk to someone, do you believe there's one body? No, I believe our church is the only one going. Well, you sound like a cult. Uh, There's one spirit. We've got the spirit, you don't. You sound like you're mixed up. I know, I've been there before. There's one hope, what's that? We'll all get a new Mercedes. You're mixed up, it's not that. We'll all get prosperity gospel, it's not that. Most of God's people have died rather poor in 1900 years of church history. It's we're gonna see Christ. There's one Lord. Well, I, I think if you pray to Allah, I think if you pray to Buddha, I think all ways lead to God. There's one Lord. Lord and Master. And this word Lord here is Yahweh. To come out of the mouth of a first century Jew to call Jesus, Yahshua, Yahweh was blasphemy. You get killed for it. To ascribe deity to just a mere man. But God the Son, the Messiah, is called Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's only one. There's one faith. And I believe it's one gospel. And then the Bible that contains that gospel. One source of truth that saves, found in one place, Scripture. 
One baptism. Every believer, whether he's ever been dunked in water or not, has been baptized into the body of Christ. I think he ought to obey the Lord and be water baptized as soon as he can. We plan to do that next Sunday. We're going to baptize next Sunday night again. If you haven't been baptized, you ought to obey your Lord and do that. But you've been immersed into Christ anyway. One God and Father of us all. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series is called God's Design for Your Life. As we close the program out, we would invite you to contact us if you would like to obtain a copy for yourself of either today's message or the entire series. Call us today, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. While you have us on the phone, ask us about our Truth For Today listener celebration event coming up June 4th. Save that date, mark it off on your calendar, and join us. It's a Saturday, 4.30 in the afternoon till 7.30 here at Valley Bible Church at the Family Life Center. Join us for a celebration of God's goodness to the Truth For Today ministry since 1997. That's almost 20 years. What an amazing time that we've had together, studying God's Word and growing in His grace, and we want to celebrate that. So won't you join us? Again, save the date, June 4th, 4.30 to 7.30, here at Valley Bible Church at the Family Life Center. Again, information can be had at 855-833-9864, or simply visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. If you would like a copy of today's program, prayer request, maybe you would like to partner with us financially, we would love to hear from you. Call, drop by our website, or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, and the zip code is 94547. Thank you so much for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. God bless.